Hi, my name is Elvin, and I'm a Discipleship and Mandarin Service Pastor here at HTVB, and it's my privilege to share with you from God's Word today. You know, in my time here in KL, uh, I realized that this city has a very distinct culture. I believe that KL is the focal point of this nation. You know, people move here from all over the country, and people who come into Malaysia from other countries mostly do so through KL as well. For example, uh, my wife, Charlotte, is from Ipoh. But her life journey growing up in Malaysia moved her and many of her friends from Ipoh and even college friends from around the country to this focal point of KL right here. Meanwhile, I'm from Singapore. And when God called me out of Singapore to this beautiful country of Malaysia in this season, KL seemed to be the perfect entry point to start my life and it was exciting, you know, moving to a new place, making new friends, learning a new language, new lingo. I, I learned what a mud rumpit is. But the thing about being in a city like KL and living in a city like KL is that sometimes it's not easy for this place to feel like home. It's almost like everyone you meet, home is somewhere else. During Chinese New Year, during elections, everyone is leaving KL and returning to their hometown. And I wonder if that's how you feel today. Maybe you left behind family and friends to move to this city or wherever city you are in right now. But the place where you're staying, the city where you're staying, feels more like a train station than a home. Or maybe you know, you're living outside of your hometown and you feel displaced, separated, scattered from your home or perhaps your spiritual home. Or for some of us, you may even feel like wherever you are, you are there outside of your will, like you're there as a victim of circumstance. Perhaps today, we this online gathering feels like a gathering of scattered people. Two weeks ago, Abel kicked off our Hope for the City series by talking about Jeremiah's letter to the exiles in Babylon and how we can seek the welfare of the city. Last week, Jacinta spoke about how communities can change a city. Now today, we'll be talking about the culture of the city. And in today's passage, we'll see how God used ordinary people like you and me to change the culture of the city. So now let's look at our passage for today. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 to 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So today, the first point I would like to make is that God has sent you. God has sent you. You who may feel scattered, displaced, not at home, God has sent you here. You know, Philip didn't go to Samaria just because he 
felt called to go. Verse 1 says that there was a great persecution in Jerusalem against the church, which led to the Christians being scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And that was what led Philip to go to Samaria. And that led to the city of Samaria experiencing God's freedom and deliverance and joy. By the way, just to clarify, this is not Philip who is one of the 12 apostles. The apostles remain in Jerusalem. This was another Philip known as Philip the Evangelist. In other words, the impact that we see here in Samaria, this was the work of a regular Christian, faithfully living out his Christian life. Now, isn't that mind-blowing? You think that a regular Christian being forced out of his hometown, running for his life to a place that was not his home. And by the way, the Jews didn't really like the Samaritans. So he probably didn't like the people in Samaria very much. You would think that he would just hide and keep his mouth shut. But he didn't. And I believe it's because he realized he wasn't a refugee. He was a missionary. God was sending him to Samaria. You know, the historian from, from Yale, Kenneth Latourette, said that the chief agents in the expansion of Christianity appear not to have been those who made it a profession, but men and women who carried on their livelihood in some purely secular manner and spoke of their faith to those they met in this natural fashion. And that's the pattern that we see in the early church. People encountered God and cultures were changed, not just because of what God did through the apostles, but also because of what he did through every Christian, overflowing with his love, his truth, his grace, his power, just sharing the good news of what God is doing in their lives. And that's what we've been seeing here today as well. It's, it's you guys the people, part of the church, praying for people, sharing what God has done in your life to friends, family members, colleagues, grab drivers, Taifan uncles, and the lives that you guys have transformed, even up to today, the stories we've heard from the people here in this church, the people who have come through Alpha, the discipleship course, baptism, is a testament to that. That's the impact that you have been making, and that's the impact that you continue to make. Now, perhaps some of you are thinking, ah, there's, there's no way God has sent me. You have no idea how I ended up here. And that's true. I, I have no idea. Perhaps for some of you, it's been a painful process. Perhaps in this process, you've had to wrestle with your faith or even with God himself. You know, these people that were scattered uh, in Acts chapter 8, they wrestled with this pain too. In the midst of Satan's attacks on the early church, they were caught in the crossfire. And this resulted in one of the Christians, Stephen, being executed. And that triggered the great persecution. So not only were they on the run for their lives, they just lost someone, a friend, an upright man. And now they had to cope with this loss as a scattered people without their church community. This was a tough, tough time for them. But this is the message of the cross. Jesus understands. In the height of 
the spiritual battle for our souls. Jesus suffered the most unimaginable pain and he died on the cross for you and for me. And so when we suffer, we can lean on the God who suffers with us. And with him, we can rise again with his power and boldness to engage in the spiritual battle for our souls and the souls of those around us who are suffering too. That's the story of Philip and the early church. That's the story of the church in China in 1949 when when the communists took over and 637 missionaries were kicked out of China, but they rose up again and entered Southeast Asia and Japan. Meanwhile, the underground Christians in China They multiplied 30 to 40 times over. That's the story of the church in Russia when Joseph Stalin kicked out the pastors and the Christian leaders and shipped them out to Siberia. They were suffering in labor camps in the middle of nowhere, clearing land and mining ore and making roads. But wherever they were, they shared their faith and they left behind clusters of believers throughout Eastern Siberia where strong churches still stand today. And that can be your story too. Maybe you feel like you're in a difficult place right now. Lean on Jesus and let him raise you up again. And maybe you feel like Satan has trapped you in a a place where God can no longer use you. You know, I read a, a story about a woman who had a large family and found it very challenging to serve in church. And one day she realized that she could share the good news of how God is working in her life to the people making deliveries to her house. And that gave her and her life purpose and joy once again. So God has sent you. That's the first point. Now, the second point is God has sent you here. God has sent you here. As Jacinta shared last week, when we as a community step out together, we can change the culture of the city that God put us in. You know, isn't it interesting? Last week, we read about Paul going from Athens to Corinth. Now today, we read about Philip going from Jerusalem to Samaria. And it seems to me that God sees the power of a city so that when the culture of a city is changed, that affects the culture of the society, the family, the individual, and eventually the nation. Now, I've I've got nothing against missions to the rural areas. In fact, I I used to go on mission trips regularly to a remote village in Thailand, and I'm sure I'll share more stories about that at a later time. But I believe, especially in the book of Acts, God calls people to cities, and not always the city you want to be in, but the city you need to be in. God called Philip to Samaria. And in the Old Testament, you read God called Jonah to Nineveh. You know, these are cities that they didn't want to go to. And likewise, you know, God may call you to a city that you don't like so that you can bring God's transformation to that city's culture and bring that transformation to the people in that city. Now, Acts 8, verses 6 to 8 says, And the crowds with one accord 
paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And I believe that's God's heart for the city. Deliverance, healing, joy. This is what the city can experience when the kingdom of God breaks into the broken human cultures around us. And that's what God has been doing since the beginning. Ever since the fall, the kingdom of God has constantly been challenging human culture. Since biblical times until today, from global culture, national culture, down to the culture of your workplace, your family, even your own personal lifestyle. So if you're not seeing freedom, wholeness, joy in your city, your workplace, your family, God has given you the mandate and the power to bring that into your spheres of influence. You don't have to be an expert to do that. You don't have to be a priest to do that. Like Philip, any Christian close to God, filled by the Spirit, led and guided by His voice and truth, growing as a disciple, following Jesus, can engage in the spiritual battle for the souls and the culture of their spheres of influence. If your workplace needs freedom, you can pray for it. If your home needs wholeness, you can pray for it. If your life needs joy, you can pray for it. And that is why God sent you here to the city that you're in to pray for it, to intercede for it, to bring God's kingdom impact to the culture of the city. So here's my final point. Don't be afraid to bring change. Don't be afraid to bring change. You know, sometimes we think that the culture of the city is too big for us to impact. It's too daunting, too scary. But changing the culture of the city is not our responsibility. It's God's responsibility. But it's our privilege to partner with God to impact the culture around us. And all we have to do is recover the joy of sharing the good news of what God has done in our lives and recover the confidence of God's truth, relevance, and power to change culture. William Wilberforce was a British politician in the 1780s, and he came to know Jesus in 1785. Now, back then, uh, being religious was a social taboo, and the fervent Christians in the upper classes, uh, they were ridiculed to the point that William even considered stepping down from politics. But after talking with his pastor, he resolved to remain in politics. And he says, with increased diligence and conscientiousness. And one of the political issues he famously tackled was the slave trade. Now, back then, the slave trade represented about 80% of Great Britain's foreign income. But William came to know about the horrifying conditions of the slaves on the ships that were transporting them and in the plantations where they worked. And he was considering bringing forward the abolition of the slave trade in Parliament. But he was hesitating. You know, back then, like it is now, it's hard to argue against the money, especially to a crowd that uh, wouldn't take him seriously. William said that he felt the great importance of the subject and thought himself unequal to the task 
allotted to him. But at the same time, he wanted to put his Christian principles into action and bring God's kingdom come into the public sphere. So William went ahead. He introduced a bill to abolish the slave trade and he was defeated. 163 votes to 88. And after that, William was even suspected of being part of the French Revolution. However, William didn't waver. And with the support of godly friends, they continued working for the freedom and the wholeness and the joy of these slaves. And finally, in August 1833, the Slavery Abolition Act was passed after almost 50 years of political struggle. And this happened one month after William Wilberforce passed away. William Wilberforce and his godly friends changed the world. They weren't theologians or scholars or pastors, but they caught a vision of how God wanted to use them for his kingdom. And they took a small step of faith and obedience in their sphere of influence. Maybe as you're hearing this, you realize, hmm, this isn't me today. Perhaps you're not yet at that season, and that's okay. You know, William Wilberforce didn't change the world the moment he came out of the womb. But maybe this is you today. Maybe you sense that God is calling you out and giving you a vision and a mission in this season for your workplace or for your family or even for your city. And I challenge you to take that step of faith and obedience. You can be the hope for the city. You can be the instrument that God uses to change the culture around you. But how? How can we be instruments used by God to change culture? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So let us pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon us, fill us, overflow right through us every minute of every day. Let us pray. I invite you to, if it's convenient for you to stand and to stretch out your, your arms like this, sir, just as a posture of openness to God, of opening yourself to be filled by God, the Holy Spirit, and to allow Him to overflow through you. And you can also say this ancient prayer with me. Come, Holy Spirit. As I'm praying, the sense I get is perhaps some of us who are listening to this are struggling with fear. 
Perhaps God has put something in your heart, but you're afraid that if you take that step of faith and act on it, that everything is going to change and that you might not be able to handle that change. And the sense I have is that God wants to speak peace and confidence into your situation. That God can take away that fear and replace it with a faith that the change that God brings is a change that God will equip you for and guide you through. I was also praying some Maybe you are struggling with despair. Maybe you've tried making change happen before, but it has not worked out. And you sense, ah, there is no hope. There's nothing I can do to change the situation and the culture that I'm in. Maybe after hearing this message, you're crying out, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And the sense that I have is that is to pray for a seed, a faith the size of a mustard seed to take root in your heart, to have faith in what God can do once again. And last but not least, as I'm praying, the sense I'm getting is perhaps some of you are saying, you know, I've tried to make changes before, but I've been hurt. And it's hard for me to, to care for this city. You know, people have come, people have gone. I don't feel like the city I'm in is, is really my home. The sense that I have is that we want to pray for you for healing, that God will heal the wounds that the world and this culture has inflicted upon you. And that God will raise you up again with a vision and a mission for the people that God has put around you, the souls that God has put around you. So Lord, we pray that you will move in the hearts of every single person who is hearing this right now that you will give them a hope, a faith, and a trust that as they lean on you, be filled by you, and step forward in your strength, you will empower them to bring culture-changing impact to every sphere of influence that they're in. Whether it's people who have felt that there is no hope or people who are afraid of that kind of change or whatever the struggle that is in them, perhaps they feel that they don't have the ability to bring out that kind of change. We pray that you will give them a faith and a confidence that as you change them, as you empower them, you will bring that change and that we can experience the privilege of being 
your instruments. So we open ourselves up to you and we thank you for all that you are doing and will continue to do through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if after hearing this, you would like to get more prayer, uh, we have a, a QR code uh, up here right now where you can go in and, and, and type in your prayer request. We have people who would love to partner with you in praying uh, with you in any of the struggles you may face, whether it's regard to what has been preached or any other prayer requests that you have. Feel free to put that into uh, our prayer requests website. And now, as we continue in a, in a spirit of, of prayer, let us also continue to worship Him with a song of worship right now. Thank you.